Thank you, Julia, for those prayers. And good morning to all of you. How are you all doing? Hot. hot. I heard hot. Yeah. Someone is. Are you Are you guys feeling okay though? Is the temperature all right in here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's It's a little hot outside, but I'm so glad to be in here with you all. Um, in the air-conditioned space, but also really the warmth of our fellowship. You know, it's really a beautiful thing when we get to be with one another as brothers and sisters. We are a family. Um, and uh, we have been going through our Galatians series, as you all know, um, coming to an end very soon. Uh, last week, we took a break from the Galatians series, but not a break from the Galatian theme of freedom. We had Pastor Esther here last week, and she preached on what true freedom is. She shared very powerfully from her own story, um, and also inviting us into the true freedom Christ has for us. How many of you were here last week? Just, just a show of hands. Yeah. yeah, so I see that a number of you um, have missed her sermon. Do not worry, it's on our YouTube page, so if you go on there, you can still catch it. So, and I would highly encourage you to do that. Now this week, we are going to embark on the last chapter of Galatians. And next week, we will conclude our Galatians series. And our passage today is Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 10, where Paul continues to talk about how believers in the community of faith should love one another. Um, we're going to look at the passage together and we're going to read, um, but we're going to read from the last part of chapter 5 just to give us some context as we go into chapter 6. So here's what I suggest. Um, maybe you can read the first and the last slide um, with me. So um, let's read this with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also behave in accordance with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, being jealous of one another. Brothers and sisters, if a person is discovered in some sin, you who are spiritual restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Pay close attention to yourselves so that you are not tempted to carry one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one examine his own work. Then he can take pride in himself and not compare himself with someone else, for each one will carry his own load. And together, now the one who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with the one who teaches it. Do not be deceived. God will not be made a fool, for a person will reap what he sows, because the person who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption from the flesh but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So we must not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not give up. 
So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who belong to the family of faith. Thanks be to God for his word. Let us pray. Ah, God, thank you for your word. Your word is indeed light unto our path. Thank you for illuminating our ways. Thank you for helping us see your heart. Thank you for urging us um, to, to, walk the, to walk the way of goodness and love. And thank you for empowering us to do what we cannot do ourselves. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So again, Paul is talking about how brothers and sisters in the community of faith are to treat one another. You see the theme there like every way, and this is something that is very big and important in his heart. So um, I, know, I know that some of you are, are newer to the church or vis just visiting, just so, so just let me say that the context is that the Galatian church has been divided over the issue of circumcision, and they haven't been behaving towards each other in the best of ways. And Paul has urged them, as we saw in chapter 5, not to bite and devour one another, but to love one another. Because the body of Christ looks most like Jesus when brothers and sisters behave in accordance with the Spirit. Loving and serving one another, showing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But which of us could behave that way all the time? Or even most of the time? Is it easy, church? I don't think so. I, I mean, I struggle with it too. So how do we support one another when we are not, um, shall we say, our best selves? Paul says, Brothers and sisters, if a person is discovered in some sin, you who are spiritual restore such a person in the spirit of gentleness. To restore, it is such a life-giving word, not to destroy, not to condemn. The ones who are spiritual are to help with the restoring work. But who are the spiritual ones? You who are spiritual, who are they? Are they the pastors? The ones who know the Bible inside out? Um, the ones who volunteer the most? Who are the spiritual ones? See, the spiritual ones actually refers to the whole community of believers, the whole church not spiritual group versus non-spiritual group. Because you who are spiritual actually means you who have received the Holy Spirit. And the NRSV probably um, says this best. You who have received the Spirit, when we receive Jesus into our lives, you know, for some of us, that would mean the sinner's prayer. You've said the sinner's prayer, and maybe you've gone to Alpha, and then, you know, and there's an invitation to receive Jesus, and you've said yes. Or sometimes we call it a confession prayer. You know, but as long as you have invited Jesus into your life, you have the Holy Spirit. And so you and I, we are all spiritual people. 
And as people of the one spirit and one Lord, we are called to support and care for one another. And when one of us stumbles, we help him or her get back up again. We help our brother or our sister get closer to God again, gently and lovingly, because that's the way of the Holy Spirit. It is restorative, it is not destructive. But you know what? Sometimes we can get a little too eager to restore other people. Especially when we have a different idea from Paul of what it means to sin. You see, subconsciously, we all have this list of sins that we work our lives around, you know, the bad things that we must not do, you know, and we try very hard to, eat, to, to avoid those bad, bad things. And the better we are at avoiding them, the quicker we are at pointing out those, those sins in others. It becomes very obvious to us because we, we are always trying so hard to avoid them. You know, and many of us have used our special, our own special list of, a checklist of sins, you know, to measure ourselves against others. Like, ah, am I more holy? Am I better? Am I, am I this or am I that? And in the process, we might overlook some other sins in our own lives. You see, sin, according to scripture, is not in the eye of the beholder. It is not what I think it is, or it is not the priority or the hierarchy that I want to give it. Sin is a lot more complex than our personal checklist. And in scripture, the way it is often presented is that sin is missing the mark or missing the goal. And in our passage today, Paul uses an interesting word to describe sin. The Greek word used by Paul to describe sin is the word paraptoma. Instead of the more common, hamatia. Now, paraptoma means transgression. It's a violation of God's law. And what do you think Paul has in mind when he's thinking about God's law? So Paul said earlier in Galatians 5.12 that God's law is summed up in a single command. What is it? We all know this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when we are not loving our neighbors, when we are not loving our brothers and sisters, um, we are sinning. And it doesn't matter how much Bible we know or can quote or how many um, I know, fellowship prayer gatherings we attend each month, or how much or how long we have served in ministry, or how much we have accomplished for God, if we do not love, we have sin. All that to say, sin is not restricted to a list of do's and don'ts, but it has everything to do with the failure to love. You know what, and the reality is, we all stumble in this area, all of us. And when we realize that we are all capable of falling, we will be slow to judge another. And only then can we truly restore another in a spirit of gentleness. And only when we realize that my brother's or my sister's sin is really not beyond me, then can we truly carry one another's burdens? You know what this is? This is a picture 
of a community of believers, a community of people who have received the Holy Spirit here, a community of spiritual people mutually supporting and loving one another in, in and through the sinfulness and the brokenness of each person. See, we all want to be good. I mean, I want to be good. I want to be loving all the time. I want to be like Jesus all the time. And I believe we all want to do that. But we do fall and stumble, I mean, along the way. We say harsh things. Maybe we burst out in anger. We act selfishly. We manipulate. We want our own way. We hurt people. And sometimes this, this sinfulness can also become a burden unto ourselves. We don't like to be that way. We may even feel guilty and we may feel shame. You know, and that's when we can be the face of Jesus to each other. Gently nudging. Gently restoring. After all, His Spirit is in us. You know, it is like having this very deep sense of empathy for another. It's like saying, hey, I know what it's like to stumble and fall. We may sin differently, but I sin too. Let me come alongside you. That's how we carry one another's burdens, fulfilling the law of Christ, which is so much about loving one another, bearing with one another. You know, how we react to another person's sin says a lot about who we are, about what we believe we are, who we believe we are. So there was this time, bear with me if you've heard the story, um, in one of the morning lectures uh, when I was in seminary in Vancouver. So um, news of the fall, criminal conviction, of the leader of this prominent church in Singapore came through to us while we were in the lecture hall. And there were whisperings all around the lecture hall. And some comments were made by some students, you know, um, to the effect of, oh my gosh, can't believe he did that. Basically, uh, thank God we are not like that. Oh my gosh, we would never do that. And the professor said to the whole class, because he, he, he could hear all going on, and he was like, now don't think it cannot happen to you. Given the right set of circumstances, it could happen to any of us. This is not the time to judge or condemn. This is a time to pray for your brother because he needs our prayer. He needs us to stand with him. And we pray. So, um, you know, I mean, when you hear about a brother or sister, I mean, I guess, failing, falling, stumbling, or sinning, you know, uh, I, I wonder what, what our reactions would be. You know, do we go, yeah, can't believe that. You know, can't believe that happened. Or it's like, or wow, you know, I really feel, I really feel it because it could be me. How we react to another person's sins says a lot about how we see ourselves. If we feel that we are above the person or that we are above that person's sins, then we are more likely to, to destructively confront than to gently restore. It takes humility. It takes self-evaluation. It takes knowing yourself. It takes asking God, as the psalmist does in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. And that's why Paul says, 
pay close attention to yourself so that you are not tempted too. And for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. See, what Paul has in mind here is, the, is that the temptation to be, is the temptation to become conceited, to become proud in the midst of restoring another. You see, the relationship between restoring someone and falling into conceit or pride is a very interesting one. It is most acute, the temptation is most acute when we are at our best, when we are most holy, when we are most fruitful, most loving. We may become proud of our lovingness, our fruitfulness as we restore, we, we can become proud of our humility. <clears throat> Thank you, God, that I'm so humble. In the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, um, Anyone know the screw tape letters? Just, okay. Um, well, basically, it's a religious satire where a junior devil learns how to tempt God's people under the guidance of the senior devil. And here's the advice that the senior gives to the junior. Um, okay, so patient refers to the Christian that they're trying to tempt. Okay, so it says, your patient has become humble. Have you drawn his attention to the fact all virtues are less formidable to us once the man is aware that he has them. But this is especially true of humility. Catch him at the moment when he is really poor in spirit and smuggle into his mind the gratifying reflection. By Jove, I'm being humble. And almost immediately, pride, pride as his own humility will appear. So in his writings, um, C.S. Lewis made some critical observations about pride. He says this, It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love, or contentment, or even common sense. See, pride is insidious, and it, it can creep up on us. It, pride stands in the way of our truly being able to carry one another's burdens. It stands in the way of brothers and sisters, gently restoring and supporting one another. But pride is very difficult to admit to. It's so much easier for us to admit to things like anger and impatience. I mean, how often do you hear people say, can you please pray uh, for me because I'm struggling with pride? Because it's difficult, right? I mean, that's a really difficult thing. Um, yeah, and also because pride can be packaged in so many ways, it can hide behind good intentions and worthy causes that we do for God. And so we heed Paul's words here to examine ourselves. And if we have stumbled in this area, let us people who have the Holy Spirit, support and gently restore one another. Let us carry one another's burdens, one another's stumbling. As we continue to self-reflect and ask God to search our hearts. It is not an easy thing, but Paul says that we must not grow weary in doing good, especially to those who belong to the family of faith. And to do good is to continue to sow to the Spirit. And flourishing life will emerge from that. It takes effort. We can get tired. 
we can get discouraged and weary, and we often do. But let's continue to pray for the Spirit's empowering to help us. And sowing to the Spirit looks like this. Paul talk, has talked about this all the way from the beginning of chapter 5. This is how we sow to the Spirit. Carrying each other's burden. Not comparing, not envying, no our limits. And all the fruit of the Spirit. And we do not sow to the flesh, which is pride, conceit, self-deception, anger, rivalries, dissensions, and other things. We are called to sow to the Spirit because we are all spiritual people. And we want to behave in accordance with the Spirit. But we need one another to do this. We need to do it together in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not something that we can easily will ourselves to do. We need one another helping us to bear that burden when we can't carry it anymore. We need one another's love and encouragement to keep on going, to keep on doing good things. Let us pray. God, I thank you. Uh, standing here, I thank you for giving us a family. Um, this family here that I see, my brothers and my sisters. I thank you that um, we have each other to walk with. I thank you that this is a safe space that you have given to each of us, that we can be for each other, be with each other, gently nudge and gently encouraging and gently call out when we need to, but all in the power of your love and your Holy Spirit. We thank you. We thank you as we come, uh, as we gather around this table, we just want to thank you also that um, you were pierced for our transgressions including this transgression that we've just been talking about, not loving others enough, that you took on that upon yourself. You took our transgressions upon yourself on the cross and you were crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, that allowed us to be, that has allowed us to be brothers and sisters to each other was on you, you have taken it upon yourself so that we may be one, so that we can be your face to one another, so that the world can see in how we are to each other, your face, your goodness, and the cross. We thank you. And God, we pray that you will show us our hearts not so that we will feel bad or, or that we will be condemned because you're a God who loves us. You have taken all the bad stuff upon yourself and you only have goodness for us. But show us our hearts so that we may know better how to follow you, how to love you more, and how to love our brothers and sisters more. Because we want to look like you. Because we are your children. 
We are the spiritual people that you call us to be. Thank you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.